So that's what we're talking about in this series. We're talking about things that, that are out of context, things in the Bible, things that are said, ideas that are communicated in the Bible that, that are plucked out of context, moved into an entirely different context, which of course changes their meaning, and, and through this series we're putting those things back into context. Uh, before we dive into this, uh, this morning's message though, let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for being our Father, for loving us in such an unconditional, faithful, lasting way. Father, we thank you that, that you, are, uh, you are a great teacher and you desire to see our growth. So help us today uh, by your spirit to grow, to grow up more fully into Christ who is our head, to, to become more mature, speak a word to us that we need to hear, teach us. You understand what each of us needs as your children. And so we pray today that you would give us exactly what it is that we need for your glory. In the name of Christ we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, it's uh, summer break, three weeks in. For those of us who have young children, we know exactly how many weeks it's been summer break already. Um, At least here at St. John, my kids go here to school and it's been three weeks. And uh, a lot of parents who've got young kids are already praying for August. And that's okay. Um, Actually, I'm, I'm enjoying the summer break. Uh, because it, it means that I get to spend more time with my kids on, on my day off on Thursdays and other things. And so I'm enjoying it, just being able to spend more time with them. And we'll see how long that lasts. But I'm enjoying it for now. I really do. And I'm enjoying especially this summer. It just seems, and maybe this happens every summer, uh, but it seems that, that as I watch my kids this summer, it just seems that they've really grown a lot in the last year. Not, not just physically, but it really seems that they, they've grown in other ways. They're, they're starting to do things that only older people can do. Namely, they're starting to reminisce about what life was like when they were younger. <laughs> Which is always a lot of fun. Uh, and for them, they're not just reminiscing about, about events or circumstances of life. But, but this has been fun because they, they actually are reminiscing about thoughts and ideas that they used to have when they were younger, thoughts and ideas about the world and how things worked. And, and they're at this great age where they're still young enough that they remember these crazy thoughts and ideas that they had, but they're old enough to realize that they were crazy and to, and to communicate them. So uh, I've been having some fun just hearing them share, and they've been on a roll the last few weeks, share some of the things that they used to believe about the world. Uh, for instance, uh, one of my kids told me that they thought that, that people who wore glasses were all blind. And that glasses enable them to see. So I thought there were a lot of blind people in the world. Uh, another one of my kids told me that uh, when I used to work a lot of late nights at, at my previous church, I had to work a lot of late nights. And then I would be up and out of the house early in the morning often. Um, this kid told me that, uh, that for years, for years, she thought that I used to have to sleep in my office. She used to think in her head, never said anything, but used to think in her head, poor daddy, he didn't even get to come home and go to sleep. He just had to sleep in his office. Crazy things. Um, what, the other day, one of my daughters mentioned that when she, was, uh, when she was age three and was about three feet tall, she just assumed, she figured that every age, every year of age that she would add, she would add another foot in height. Which explains why she was so irate when she met a kid who was younger than her and taller than her. Because she thought if you were three, you should be three, four, four, seven, seven. I asked her why she never thought I was 30 feet tall. And uh, she just rolled her eyes at me, which is also a sign that she's getting older. Uh, one of my kids told me that they thought that um, as you got older, the reason you got bigger is because you got more bones. Not that your bones grew, you got more of them. 
Sounds reasonable to me. Uh, and, then, and then another one of our kids really got obsessed for a while about healthy food. And, uh, and this kid just told me the other day that, uh, that the reason they were so obsessed with healthy food and knowing which food was healthy and which was the healthiest was because they, they heard us say that healthy food will make you grow. And they were running an experiment to try to see how much they would grow the next day if they ate healthy food. Um, I've been enjoying those stories. I hope you enjoy them a little bit too. It, it seems to me that uh, my kids are especially obsessed right now with trying to figure out growth. And I think that's probably because they're all short. I, I blame my wife for that. Um, but actually, I can't blame them with their obsession about growth uh, because I'm kind of obsessed with growth. Not so much physical growth, but, but just this question of, of how people grow. So in some regard, I, I get happy when, they, when they're reflecting on growth because I see that they're just chips off the old block. Because I find this to be a fascinating question. Maybe you do too, and if not, you should. This question, how do we grow? Especially spiritually. How do we grow? Spiritually. And do you give much thought to this question? I mean, just do me a favor right now. Think back a year ago. Uh, usually I can't remember what happened a month ago, so thinking back a year ago may be hard, but maybe you remember it was Father's Day a year ago. Think back to Father's Day a year ago. Between that day and today, we've had 52 weeks, presumably, something like that. 52 weekends, 52 opportunities to come to church, 52 weeks of life. In that year, in those 52 weeks, have you grown spiritually? If so... How much? It's a tough question, isn't it? And I think for a lot of us, it's hard to say. We, we have no idea if in the last year we've grown. And yet, for most of us, we, we keep going about doing the things that we're doing, just kind of hoping or expecting that growth will happen. So, so today I want to dive into this question of how do we grow, and I want to look at some scripture that speaks to how we grow. And the first one's from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is a guy named Paul who's writing, and this is what he says. He's talking about growth here. He says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but I had to address you as people who are still worldly, you are mere infants, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. So, so here we, we learn um, that, that, maybe, that maybe what we eat, milk or solid food, has something to do with it. And I think for a lot of us that confirms the suspicion that we have that spiritual growth is a lot like physical growth, that we've got to eat healthy food. And, and Paul, the writer here, would seem to say that, that it does. And so he talks about milk. And solid food, or milk and meat, as some translations would say. And he says, I wanted to give it to you, but, but I couldn't, because you're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, just look at that for a second. Uh, Paul equates worldliness here with jealousy and quarreling. He says, since there's jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not still worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? So from this first scripture, uh, we see that maybe growth has something to do with, with milk or meat, whatever that means. Let's look at the next one, 1 Peter chapter 2. A guy named Peter's writing. He says, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander 
of every kind. So the first thing Peter says is to rid yourself of some of this bad stuff. If you want to grow, you got to get rid of, of the hypocrisy and the envy and the slander and some of these other things. And then he continues, he says, like newborn babies. So again, we get this idea of, of, of being young in the faith. He says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So, so here Peter says, again, doesn't say anything about meat or solid food, but he says, if you want to grow up in your salvation, crave pure, pure spiritual milk. And by this, he's talking about the word of the Lord. So, so again, we've got this idea of milk, not meat in this case, but, but milk, the word, craving it. And Peter says, if you do that, you'll grow up in your faith. And, and then the third one is from Hebrews chapter 5. I want to spend a little time here. Hebrews chapter 5, the writer to the Hebrews, three different writers using similar language, uh, says this, verse 11, We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you. Now, now by the way, Hebrews is this book that is very, very deep. If you've ever read Hebrews, it's this great epistle that's all about Jesus, a letter that's all about Jesus. And how Jesus is, is more than just a man, how he's superior to the angels, how he's superior even to Moses, the hero of the Old Testament, how he's superior to the high priest and to the sacrifices in the temple. It's this, it's this letter that just keeps talking about Jesus, and there's some deep, deep theology there. And so this is chapter 5, we're, we're not quite halfway through Hebrews, but a few chapters in. And the writer takes a breather here in chapters five and sa- chapter 5 and says, you know, I, I've got a lot more I could say about all this to help you grow. Uh, can we go back? Sorry. Um, to make it clear to you, uh, I, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. So, so I'm preaching, the writer says, but you're not listening. In fact, though by this time, you ought to be teachers not students, you ought to be teachers, you still need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food, not meat. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature. Okay, so, so we see something right away. Again, milk is not bad. Milk is an important part of our, of our growth. Peter says if, if you want to grow, crave spiritual, pure spiritual milk. But here to the writer, the, the writer to the Hebrews says there's something more than that. There's something more than just, there's just something more than milk. There's this solid food. There's this, there's this meat of the faith that can help us truly mature. So solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So again, I think this confirms our suspicions that that some of our growth has something to do with food, what we consume. For us as Americans, it's, it's all about food too much of the time. And you could walk away from those three scriptures really believing that, that the key to your growth as a person is just to consume the right spiritual food And over time, eventually, you'll grow. But that's not complete. That's not accurate. Surely it's a part of it. But Hebrews actually, subtly there, it's it's kind of nuanced, explains to us 
a, a deeper concept that we all need to grab hold of today, that if we really truly want to grow spiritually, if, if we want to become mature in our faith, if we want to grow up in our salvation, if we want to be able to, to test and discern what's good and evil and, and learn to, to live life in a wise and fulfilling way, the writer of the Hebrews says that the true path to maturity is not just coming to church and receiving messages and, and drinking spiritual milk. The writer of the Hebrews says that the key to maturity is learning to feed yourself. You hear that? Feed yourself. If any of us wants to mature, we've got eventually to learn how to feed ourselves. Look, look at this verse again from Hebrews 5, chap, uh, chapter 5, verse 14. But solid food is for the mature. See, so often in the church, sometimes uh, people will, uh, will push back on pastors and they'll say, Pastor, I, I'm just not being fed here. You're just not feeding me enough. You're too much milk, not enough meat maybe, but, but you're not feeding me. And, and uh, usually when pastors hear that, it's when someone's really upset or when they're threatening to leave the church. And it's supposed to be one of those breakup speeches that I think is kind of like, you know, it's, it's not you, it's me. But, but really when they do that, they're basically saying, no, Pastor, it's you. <laughs> You're doing it wrong. You're not, you're not giving me what I need to grow. And, and uh, I've heard people say that over the years, and I've heard other people share that about their pastor in, in churches that aren't even ours. Uh, and I think people, when they say that, they feel like they're, they're saying something really mature, something really grown up, you know. Hey, don't feed me the baby stuff. I'm ready for some solid food. I'm ready, ready for some meat, and I need to find someone who can feed me meat, solid food, so I can, I can really mature. It seems reasonable, but, but I want you to look at this. The, the writer to the Hebrews says, Solid food is for the mature true, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Do you see this? Solid food is for the mature, who by constant use of the word have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil, do you hear what he's saying? He's saying you've got to learn, if you want to mature, you've got to learn how to feed yourself. That true maturity comes not by having someone spoon feed you, whether it's, whether it's milk or meat, doesn't matter. True maturity doesn't come by what someone else feeds you. It ultimately comes by learning to feed yourself. Now let me just be clear about something here. That, um, that, that sometimes we talk about people who, who need milk in a derogatory way. Sort of like, well, you're a mere infant in Christ. And, and that sounds like it's an insult. And it's, it's not necessarily intended to be. See, there are some of us in this room who, who really are infants in Christ. You're brand new to the faith. And there's nothing wrong with that. And if you're an infant in the faith, um, having someone feed you pure spiritual milk is so important for your growth. That's what, that's what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2. said, hey, like newborn babies, because if you're new in the faith, like a newborn baby, needs pure spiritual milk. That's what you need. Crave the word of God. Look for people who can, who can teach it to you. For me, I was, I was a Christian for 14 years, uh, and I realized um, I was in college, my freshman year of college, I was at a Christian college, and I was in this, this Bible class that was common curriculum that everyone had to take. And I realized that after 14 years of, of being a Christian, that I was still an infant. Because they were talking about the Bible in this class, and I've never felt so lost in any class in my life. 
And I was a good student. I mean, I, I took organic chemistry and, and AP physics and I mean all this crazy AP calculus. And, and I'm sitting in this Bible class and I go, I've been a Christian for 14 years and, and I don't get this. I'd go back to my dorm room and I'd have these homework assignments to read just chapters and chapters and chapters of scripture, some scriptures that I'd never read, and it did not make any sense to me. I could not read it. I could read Shakespeare. I, I, could, I could read Homer, but I could not understand the Bible. And the reality was, I was in a place in my life where, where I needed someone to feed me. And thankfully, there were people at my college who did that. And there were pastors who did that, and they, they gave me pure spiritual milk. There's nothing wrong if you're at a place in your life where, where you need pure spiritual milk, and you need someone to feed it to you, because that's, that's how you grow. In fact, I, I believe it's true for all of us that no matter how mature we are in the faith, we all need milk now and then. That we all need to be brought back to the basics. See, that's what we do here so often at St. John. And I think that's what the local church is for. We, we talk to you about life. We apply the word of God to it. But in so many ways, what we're doing is we're reminding you of the basics, of the essentials of faith, uh, of the pure spiritual milk that feeds your soul and that is the foundation for everything else. I think all of us need to be reminded of that because you come into this place and no matter how many years you've been a Christian, no matter how many Bible verses you know, Sometimes you just need to be reminded that Jesus is enough. That all of your failures, they, they don't matter. Because Jesus is enough. He came into the world and he gave his life so that your failures could be erased. Don't we need to hear that? I mean, that's basic to the gospel. Jesus, the, the Son of God, gave his life so that we could be free. And yet, don't you need to hear that? Doesn't your soul thirst for that message? I know mine does. Sometimes we need to be reminded that Jesus is the only way. That although we may be growing up in our faith, it's not our maturity that endears us to God. God, through Jesus, loves us. And it's because of what Jesus has done that we can stand before God and pray and sing and ask and receive. It's not because of who we are. It's not because we're mature. It's not, God is not endeared by our maturity. See, one of the things we need to remember, one, one of the basics of the faith, some of the milk that we all need, is this reminder that grace is the foundation of our relationship with God. Right? That, 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 that we are unworthy. And that God doesn't love us because we're worthy. And, and as we grow up and mature, it's not like we become more worthy and more useful and therefore God loves us more. No! You don't have the power to affect how God feels about you. See, God has already decided in his being that he loves you and he loves the whole world. See, that's grace. From the very beginning, grace is the foundation of our relationship with God. And so, so our actions can't change God's feelings about us. All our actions can do is help us take hold of the love that God is pouring out on us. See, see those are the basics. And I don't care how long you've been at this, this faith journey. We all need the basics. We all need milk from time to time. So there's nothing wrong with milk. We all need pure spiritual milk. Peter says, crave it like a newborn craves their nutrition. It is your lifeblood. But if you're in a place where you're ready to start growing and really maturing, then you've got to learn how to feed yourself. 
And see, I think this is one of the most misunderstood ideas in Christianity. For us in America, it's all about consumption, but that's not a biblical view. Ultimately, when when it comes to your life as a Christ follower and what it means to mature in him, it's not just what you know. It's also what you do that will help you grow. It's not just about consuming. It's also about expending. It's not just about faith. Faith saves you, yes. But it's about action. If you want to grow, it's not just about faith, it's about action. So, if, if you're putting your, yourself in the hands of a, of a pastor, of a weekend service, uh, a church, then, then, then you're de- basically declaring that you're someone who needs milk, and that's okay. But eventually, we all should aspire to the place where we learn how to feed ourselves. Otherwise, we're missing out on true growth. Now, now, if this whole thing is kind of confusing for you, if it's still enigmatic, I don't blame you. And that's why, for the rest of this message, I just want to make this really simple. And I want to introduce you to something, or maybe reintroduce you to something, that, that I believe can help all of us in this room grow. Growth is such a multifaceted, confusing thing, and to be sure, there are more confusing models of this. But today, I want to introduce you to something that, that I know can help you grow. Because here's what I believe about all of you. I believe you don't come here on a Sunday morning just out of duty. I believe you don't come here just out of obligation. I believe that you come here because you want to grow. I believe you come here because you want to see life change. Because you you want to see your heart softened. Or you want to see your relationships change. Or or you want to see your circumstances change. I I believe that about you. And I believe that most of us, we come in here and and we listen to the message. and, And maybe we take notes. And uh, maybe during the week we read our Bible and uh, maybe we do a few other things. We volunteer here or there. We show up for VBS. We we help out. And and we just kind of hope that as time goes on, we'll grow. We hope that next Father's Day we're sitting here and we can look back at today and remember this message and say, yeah, I've grown. But I think most of us, we have no idea how it happens. We have no idea how to actually encourage growth. And so it's just kind of a, a, a random guess. And so today I want to introduce you to this thing called 1-1-15-6, or reintroduce it to you, because it's something that I think can help you reframe spiritual growth differently. It'll help you get beyond just basic consumption and learn some other behaviors that you can do in your life that, that again, it, it, won't, it won't make God love you anymore, but will, it will help you tap into some of the blessings that come as you mature in your faith in Christ. And practically speaking, I think as you work these angles of one one fifteen six, this list isn't in the Bible exactly like this somewhere. It's all biblical. But, but I think as you embrace these things, practically speaking, 52 weeks from now, you can look back at today and you can say, that, that was a turning point for me. God's opinion of me didn't change, but, but I began to grow. I began to mature. I began to take hold of more of what Christ wants for me and what he died to give me. And that, that's an amazing thing. So, so I want to unpack these things for you. One one fifteen six. Let's dive in with the first one. Give one day a week to God in worship and rest. Give one day a week to God in worship and rest. It's the first one. See, all this starts with what we're doing here today. Coming to a place like this. The fact that you're here today is an important part 
of your continued growth. So, so the fact that you made it a priority to be here today when you've got other things to do, you can pat yourself on the back because you are doing something that's important for your growth. Because here today, as I've already said, you get the word of God. Hopefully in a, in a way that is, that, is, that is easy for you to access, that is very digestible for you. I know that me and uh, Steve Howard, senior pastor, work really, really hard to, to not just read the Bible, but to help the Bible be understood, to, to bring you to the knowledge of the truth. And that's an important part of your growth. But, you know, beyond that, you get fed in other ways here today. Uh, today specifically, we'll end our service with communion, where Jesus comes and he feeds you with his body and his blood. Jesus feeds you with, with himself. He nurtures your spirit. He forgives your sin. He strengthens you in your weakness. Isn't that powerful? See, see, you can't get this in other places in life. And the fact that you came here today, it matters. So the whole foundation of your growth is right here. You're, you're doing the right thing being here today. But even today is not just about what you consume. That's an important part of it. Don't feel bad about that. But the other part of today is also about what you give. See, I think this is where a lot of us miss out. We come to church, we receive, and then we leave. And yet, and yet if you want to take your growth to the next level, again, God loves you if you do that, that's okay. But if you want to take your growth to the next level, then you need to learn how to come here and receive and also give. Giving financially, that's why we do it. That's why we do it as a part of every weekend service. Because it's a part of the way that we grow as we entrust God with our resources. I talked to you last week about how money is so important. It is, it is a rival for our affection. And if, if you want to break the hold of money in your life, you give it away. And you start giving it to God's purposes. And your heart begins to grow towards the things that God cares about. It's, it's a powerful opportunity for growth. It is not a necessary evil. One of the other ways that you give is through serving the body here. That may be out in the parking lot, helping people be safe and welcoming our guests. Maybe out in the lobby, maybe down in children's ministry. It may be here in the worship service. See, if, if you're someone who's doing church and, and you feel like it, maybe it's not working for you, you're not growing to the degree that you want to, giving God one day a week and worship and rest is not just about receiving. It's also about what you give. And by giving, you grow. Now, this may sound elementary, but I don't think it is. I don't, I don't think we really believe or understand this because we're noticing, and not just us, but, but sociologists and people who study trends are noticing across America this trend where devout, Christ-loving people, people who love Jesus, they're attending church less and less frequently. Now, I just want to ask you, um, I assume that most of you eat every day, at least a meal. How many of you are in the habit of skipping a meal every day or maybe just eating every third day? Anyone? Just as a habit? Yeah, it's a bad habit. If you're in that habit, don't do that. It's not good for you. And in the same way, why do we think, why do we think that, that just going to church once a month or, or twice a month is good enough? See, in the same way God designed your body to need food every day, a couple times a day, God designed you, get this, God designed you with this rhythm where, where you need sustenance that comes from, from what you can receive and what you can give in a place like this as a part of the body every week, every seven days. He sewed it into the very fabric of creation. 
He gave it as a commandment. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And he didn't do that to be a bully or to force your hand into anything. He did it because he loves you and he knows what your soul needs. So again, if you want to grow, start making church a priority every week. And, and if you're in a place in your life where, where you don't want to grow that bad or you don't have time for it, you know, God will still love you. It's okay. But, but I'm talking to people who are saying, you know what? I want to mature. If you want to mature, stop skipping meals. Give God one day every week in worship and rest. It's a profound foundation for your growth. So that's the first one. The second one is this. Be someone to another person for whom Christ died. And I love this one because I, I think it's so different. This one is not about consumption at all. It's all about what you expend. It's all about what you give to another person. See, being someone to another person is not easy. Uh, it's about having an intentional relationship with someone. It's about investing in someone. It's about really knowing someone, which can be scary. Because you know how it is, you meet someone, you think they're pretty cool, you get to know them, they, they, yeah, it's, it checks out, they're, they're pretty cool. You, you get to know them deeper and you find out that they are odd and they're annoying and they've got character flaws and moral flaws. And see, that's where most of us just want to back away and we say, I want to start over and find someone else who seems uh, neat or interesting and, and do this all over again. Being someone is about really knowing people on a deep level, knowing their quirks and their flaws and their annoyances and loving them anyway. Being someone is, is about committing yourself to the growth, not just of yourself, but of others. Right? We heard in the word that, that uh, some of you by now ought to be teachers, teaching other people, and yet you still don't get the basic teachings. Every teacher knows that the way you really learn something is, is through teaching it. And so part of this is, is helping other people in their growth, investing yourself in the growth of another person. It's about being a friend, or, or as Steve Howard loves to say, not just being a friend, but being a Christian friend to someone. See, see, the trick to this, though, is selectivity, exclusivity. You can't be someone to everyone you meet. And you know people who try to do this. They're a mile wide and an inch deep, and that's fine and good. That's what we call friendliness or hospitality, but that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is, is, is investing in only a few people. You can only be someone to a very few people. And here's why this is so powerful, because as you really get to know someone, as you invest in someone, as, as you get into the mess of someone else's life, as, as you have to fight through conflict and relationships, there is an amazing potential for growth. As you pour yourself out into someone else, that's how you receive. And that's what every father in the room knows, right? I mean, when I had kids, my life changed for me because my life became not about me. It became all about pouring into these kids and this wife and this family. And part of me finds that very hard and difficult and frustrating. And, and yet part of me realizes that because of that, that, that's what's helping me grow. That's what's helping me mature. That's what's helping me find a deeper sense of life and living. See, being someone is talking about doing that not just for your family, but having a few people in your life. Maybe it's a small group. Maybe it's a mentoring relationship. But intentionally investing in someone else in your life. And I'm telling you, if you want to grow, this is not only biblical, 
And I'm not going to throw a bunch of verses at you. Just take me at my word or I'll talk to you about it this week if you really think this is not biblical. But this is a surefire strategy to grow. So being someone. So uh, give God one day a week and worship and rest. Be someone to another person for whom Christ died. Then spend 15. 15. Spend 15 minutes each day in a faith-building discipline. Why 15? I don't know. It's just doable. Right? All of you have 15 minutes that you could spend each day intentionally connecting with God. And here we make this so easy. We, we've got this Growing Deeper that we write. It's based off what we talk about on weekends. Then we give you five days, not even seven. We give you five days of about 15 minutes or less of questions and prayer prompts and scripture study. And, and we even send that to you in your email. And if you're not getting that, just call us this week or send us an email and we'll get you on the list. See, if you really want to grow, if you want to learn how to feed yourself, then start spending 15. And, and this is why this is so powerful. Because once you, you sit there with your Bible, or you sit there with, with that email, or, or you sit there in prayer, and, and there's no one up here leading you or, or telling you what it is, and you're wrestling with this stuff on your own, that's the place where you really learn to connect with God directly which is one of the greatest privileges that we have as Christians. That, that, that we have direct access to God, that we don't need mediators standing in our way, that our mediator is Jesus, who is true God, that, that we can go straight to God. See, it's one of the greatest privileges that we have as a Christian, and I think for so many of us, it's a privilege that, that we never access, we, we never utilize. Now, now, when you first start doing this, this is hard. Because you may sit there and you're reading the Bible and you don't get it. And the prompt in the Growing Deeper or just, you know, in your devotional stuff may say, you know, spend time in prayer and, and, uh, and, and you spend time in prayer and you look up and, and 15 seconds has gone by. And you feel like it's been five minutes and you're just like, ah. This is an incredible opportunity for you to learn to grow, to learn to access God. This is the kind of thing that, that will follow you and benefit you all the days of your life. See, see, missionaries had to learn this lesson in a very hard, hard way. Um, over time, there have been different schools of missionaries. Some have gone out, and, and they've, they've set up churches in foreign places, in developing world places, and uh, they've, they've encouraged people to come and receive teaching and receive instruction, and they've been kind of the dispensers of the food, spiritual food for people, and then the people go away, and they encourage them to come back. And then there are other missionaries who have gone out, and, and they see their job not as to, to be the dispensers of, of food as much as to help people learn how to self-feed and, and to grow up leaders who, who can serve their people and to help people learn how to access the Bible. And they've translated the Bible into people's native tongues. And, and inevitably, as regimes change, as coups happen, as missionaries have been thrown out, guess which places the church thrived in and the places where the church died in? Right? I mean, those who learn how to access God themselves, even when Christianity was made illegal in some of those places, the church continued to thrive. Why? Because people learned how to access God on their own. You've all got 15 minutes every day. And again, this is not about guilt. God loves you if you come to church once a month. He loves you on account of himself. He loves you on account of Christ. But if you want to grow, if you want to see some progress 52 weeks from now, if you want to be in a different place... If you want to mature and take hold of more, that, of, of more of what Christ has won for you on the cross, then begin spending 15 every day 
learning to access God on your own. And so, so the final one, so we got, I'll give one day a week to God and worship and rest. Be someone to another person for whom Christ died. Spend 15 minutes a day in a faith-building discipline. And then six, live the six other days serving God by serving others. See, right here, this is, this is the adventure of faith. That what we do here on, on our one day a week is, is really important. And then the following six days, not only do you have an opportunity to be someone and to spend 15, but the following six days, you have the opportunity to live life as God's representative in the world. You've got the calling and the opportunity to go out into the world and to look around you and and to see needs and to see people who are hurting and to meet those needs in the name of Jesus. That's a calling and an opportunity that you have. See, one of the great reformers said, God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. And that's why God cares about good works. Every act of service that you render to someone else, Jesus says he claims that. He accounts for that as an act of service given unto him. Do you know that? So if you want to grow in your service of God throughout the week, the way you do that is by serving others. Whether that's in your workplace, whether that's out on the the ball field, whether that's in your school, whether that's in your neighborhood, whether that's in the grocery store. You're living, looking for opportunities to serve people in the name of Jesus. And here's why I think this one's so important. Not only is this the way that the church will continue to thrive in a world that's turning away from organized Christianity, this is the way that that, uh, people will continue to be won over by the love of Jesus through your service. But not only that, this is why this is so fun. Because by doing this, here's what will happen. If you begin doing this, if you begin stepping into the mess of people's situations and being God's representative there and serving them, you will begin to work up an appetite for the word of God. You'll begin to work up an appetite for deep, a deep prayer life. You'll begin to work up an appetite for a community of people who can support you. See, I, we, we get this backwards. So often we beat ourselves up because we're like, yeah, we go to church and we hear you should be reading your Bible and, and you should be in a small group. And we're like, I just, I just don't feel like it. I, I, I don't want to. I, and then we feel guilty. Like, what's wrong with me? Why don't I feel like it? Why don't I want to? It's because we're eating or consuming and expending nothing. We're eating a you know, 3,000 calorie spiritual diet and we're sitting on the couch all day spiritually. See, what will happen as you begin living the six is is you'll stretch yourself. And that's how growth happens. You'll stretch yourself. You'll challenge yourself. You'll find yourself in over your head. And in those moments, you, you will be drawn to the word of God for answers. And you will pour out your heart in prayer with God, seeking help. And you will be leaning on others in your life saying... I don't know what to do here. Help me out here. I've, I've got this situation and someone I'm trying to help and, and I, I need your help with me and, and you'll learn to lean on others. See, 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 the way you get an appetite for these other things is by living a life full of risk and boldness and adventure and that's how you grow. See, I've, I've said this probably five times already today. I want to make something clear to you. That if you remain an infant, God still loves you. This is not about measuring ourselves against other people or feeling a sense of pride or superiority. That's not it. God loves you because he's decided he's a father who loves. But if you want more, 
for your life. And if you want to tap into something that is truly fulfilling, if you want to tap into a kind of growth that is enduring and eternal, then, to begin, then begin to learn to feed yourself. It's an amazing adventure. And in 15, 52 weeks from now, you may find yourself looking back on this day and saying, something happened, and I'm growing, and it's awesome. Let me pray for that for all of us. Father in heaven, we ask today that you'd help us by your spirit to uh, begin to take steps intentionally to grow. We know that Jesus gave his life to offer us fullness, not just heaven someday, but, but fullness in life that, that we don't even fully understand, and yet it's on the table for all of us. And the way we'll access that is, is through growing, through maturing. So Father, by your spirit, give us the desire, give us the appetite, give us the courage just to get started so that we can take hold of life that is truly life. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.